Isaiah chapter 9, we've been going, our Christmas series this year has been from Isaiah chapter 9. We've been talking about the names of Jesus, the prophesied names of Jesus. And we've gone through the first three, and today we're going to finish up with the last name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you'd stand with me as we read uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You may be seated. We read a great quote this week from Tim Keller. It'll bring us into our message. It doesn't really pertain, but I thought it was a great quote to read, if Christmas didn't happen, if God really didn't become human, then the joy of Christmas is only temporary and the suffering of this world is permanent. But if Christmas really happened and God really became a human being at Christmas and he really broke into this world to redeem us, then the suffering of this world is temporary and the joy of the new heavens and the new earth is permanent. As we get ready to get into this message, let me just say this. I know that I've, I've had people ask me a lot of questions that it's on. I've never understood why Christians want to argue over whether December 25th is the actual day or not. I don't know. Okay, we don't have anything in the Bible that says it's not. And it, informational, I think, is great. But I've had people try to, try to start arguments with me this, the last couple weeks about it. I'm like, do you understand we're just so, simply celebrating the birth of the Savior? There's nothing wrong with that. Whether it's the right day or not, whether it was the actual day or not, we're celebrating the birth of the Savior. So let's celebrate. And here in Isaiah chapter 9, the Holy Spirit gave inspiration to Isaiah to write these words to us, to talk to us and tell us what this Savior, what this Redeemer, what this Messiah was going to mean to us. And he gave four different names about it. And like I said, we've covered the last three <coughs> and talked about what they can mean to us in a practical way. Because if our faith isn't practical, if you can't use this faith every day, if it can't be something that you can walk with and talk with and work with and share with and communicate with and be an example with to others, then it's just something you do. But if it truly is something that's practical, if it's something that can not just affect your life but invade your life, and take over your life, and become your grounding factor, become your center, man, then it's something worth inspecting. It's something worth talking about. We come to the last prophesied name of Jesus here in Isaiah chapter 9. <coughs> Excuse me, Prince of Peace. I say prophesied because I believe it's important for us to know and to remember that long before you were born, long before any of us were ever thought of or heard of, 
God knew that we would need a Prince of Peace. What you think and feel, your doubts, your fears, your complaints, none of these surprise God. He knows you. He knows your mind. He knows your state of mind. He has your solution if you'll just acknowledge his sovereign power over your life and surrender to him. You see, God knew that we would struggle. And I think sometimes when it comes to church, we want to hide that. I think sometimes when it comes to being part of a church, we want to make sure everybody thinks and knows that we're okay. And you know, a popular phrase was going around a couple years ago, it's okay to not be okay. And if there's any place in society, if there's any place in your life where that needs to be true, it's right here. In this building with these people. You need to know that it's okay not to be okay. You need to know that it's okay to acknowledge your struggle. You need to know that it's okay to accept the fact that you're not perfect, to accept the fact that you have issues, and to accept the fact that even though Jesus Christ is your Savior and you're struggling and trying to make him the Lord of your life, that it's still a grind every day to follow him. And you need to know that it's okay to admit that you're going to fall. You're going to fail. But as Rocky said, it's not how many times you get knocked down by life. It's how many times you get back up. And it's not how many times you fail as a Christian. It's how many times you go to your father and say, I'm sorry, can you help me? When you, it's how many times you bring the shattered pieces of your life. You ever done that? You ever gotten to a place in your life where you realize this life that I have tried to create is just shattered. It's broken beyond my repair. And like a little child, the boy, Gabriel and Michael, we, we were good parents today. We, we got up early and we allowed them to open their presents. My, you know, it's, it's what good parents do. Just kidding. I, just, I joke because I care. And Gabriel, wonderful kid. I love this kid to death. Love him to death. But he's a little impatient. A little impatient. And they got a couple things that they had, things had to be put together. And now there's two of them. And they're twins, so you pretty much have to get the same thing for both of them. But that means that you have to put together two sets of stuff. And you can only do one at a time. And Gabriel was starting to lose his cool a little bit. And I said, Gabriel, relax. <laughs> Calm down. It's going to be okay. First of all, have you read the directions? <laughs> like, and he looks at me like, what? Said, yeah, read the directions. Secondly, I'll be right there. I'll help you out. Sometimes that's the way we are with God, isn't it? Sometimes we go to God with our lives and we've just shattered it. And, and instead, of, instead of going to him and saying, God, can you fix this? We're like, God, this, is a, this isn't going to work. This won't go together. I, I don't understand. How, where does this plug in, God? Where does this screw go? Hey, hey, God, what's up with all the extra pieces here? And that's how, we see, that's how we approach life sometimes. 
when what we truly need to do is come to him and say, God, this is my mess. This is my shattered life. Can you do something with it? Some of you who are parents, whether your children are young or whether they're grown, you know, rather than trying to browbeat your children and trying to beat them up and make them make them make you proud, you just need to go to God with your children's broken lives in your hands and say, God, can you fix my kids? God, can you put my kids back together? Because I can't. I can't do anything about this. And God, I know that there's nothing within me that is worthy of it, but I know that you are the everlasting father. You're the prince of peace. And you are the fixer of broken things. See, God knew that you would struggle. He knew that you would struggle with life and he knew that you would struggle with death. He knew that we would struggle with everything in between. He knew that some of us would struggle to accept our need of him. And he also knew that others would struggle with our place with him. It's one of the reasons why he sent his son to earth, not just to die for us, but to teach us how to live and that he would be willing to help us learn his way of living, his way of peace in life. Now fast forward to our day and age, and never before have we seen such a time of mental struggle and difficulty. When so many in society are struggling to keep it together mentally and emotionally, never before has the world known a time in which so many of our fellow human beings truly live on the edge of existence. When life is so overwhelming and the very purpose of life isn't worth enough for many of them to stick around for that the unthinkable way out seems to have become the chosen way out of life for so many. And never have we seen such a greater disconnect in society between the helpless and the helpers. Never have there been so many helpless and so few helpers. At a time when empathy is truly the gift that so many need to receive, division and judgment is what is handed out. It's like, wanting, it's like being a kid and wanting a bike for Christmas, but being given a bag of coal instead. And never has the church known such a time when so many of our brothers and sisters in Jesus also live on the edge of existence. I never in my life dreamed I would live to a time where pastors and pastors' wives and ministers and leadership in churches drop like flies, not from heart attacks, but from suicide. It's amazing to me. It's amazing that so many of our brothers and sisters in church are succumbing to the pressures and the struggles of life. So many are hanging on by a mental or emotional thread and those threads are getting thinner and thinner. So many are in need, such need of the closeness of the Lord in their lives, yet he seems so distant. Because our choices and our circumstances make that so. Truly is a dire time in the church as well. Not only must we find a way to peace in our own lives and minds, we must, we absolutely must find it within ourselves to reach out to others and help them find the way to peace of mind 
with Jesus. Listen, I'm not, we, what we did this morning wasn't a show. Understand that if you've been a new lifer for any length of time, you know that. This wasn't a show this morning. This was brothers and sisters in Christ who are heavy hearted for people they love, for family. And we wanted them to know, and it's not to put Sarah on, a, on the spot, not to embarrass her, not to, it, it's not their day to be lifted up as whatever. They need to know that they're not alone. And they need to know that we aren't the solution. That the solution is much higher and much more powerful than us. See, if it was up to, and I'll, I'll step away from Pastor John, I'll, I'll be Uncle John. If it was up to Uncle John, well, Sarah and Jeremy are out of luck for healing. I can, I'll cook for them and I'll watch the kids. But that's about the limit of what I can do in their circumstance. But I serve a God of miracles. There is a God in heaven that not only performed miracles for Daniel and Moses and the blind man and the lame man and the deaf and the woman with an issue. There is a God in heaven that performs miracles for his children today. And that's what this was about this morning. Letting them know that we love them and support them and crying out as a family, as a body of Christ, saying, God, we want your healing. We want your power to be on display. And folks, understand this. When God's power is revealed, we're going to give him the glory because we know it's him and not us. Not every disease, not every sickness, not every malady is spoken out loud. And many of our brothers and sisters suffer in silence. And I believe many of them suffer in silence because, and this isn't a, a political statement, it's not a commercial for anything, it's just the fact of the matter, because we have such a stigma in society on mental health, but especially, oh my, oh my goodness, where there's such a stigma in the church over mental health, because we're all supposed to be okay. Trust Jesus. Jesus will fix it. Jesus, my healer. Hallelujah. I can jump now. I got air there. Yo. Uh, titanium works wonders. <laughs> We're not supposed to struggle as Christians with our mental health. We're not supposed to struggle as Christians with peace in our day and age. We're not supposed to struggle with difficulties in relationships as Christians. We're not supposed to struggle with our past. We're not supposed to struggle because it's all, remember this? It's all under the blood. Praise Jesus, it's all under the blood. It is, and you've been forgiven, but you still have to live with the memory of what went on. You still have to live with the struggle of dealing with it. You still have to deal with the struggle of whatever it is that you struggle with. God knew that. He knew creation was broken. He knew that creation was fallen. He understood that. He promised us that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That all of this will be repaired. But he told us in his word 
that until that day, things were just going to go downhill. And there were going to be struggles. That's why I, I have uh, friends that, uh, wherever you stand, wherever you land on the, on the, in the spectrum of, of faith healing, listen, I believe God can heal. I believe God can heal completely. But I'm really, I'm, I really struggle with those who say they have the power to heal in their hands because I've confronted people that say that. And I've said, well, if you truly have this power to heal, please. And I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be a showman. I'm trying to be honest. Well, if you have the power to heal, then come with me because I'm going to take you down to the Shriners Children's Hospital. And we're going to do some business here. Okay? And one, one person, well... I'd get in trouble for practicing medicine without a license. Really? 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 Come on, man. Come on, you've got to have something better than that. Tell a joke about a coffin going down State Street or something. Right? My, one, my one triumph in life there. <clears throat> but we find it very hard to admit that we struggle. Yet, our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, the one who gave us all of this, the one who made us, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, told us, He prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born, hundreds of years before you were even thought of, He prophesied that there would be a Prince of Peace that would bring peace to your life. What does that mean? What does it mean that he wants to be the Prince of Peace and he can be the Prince of Peace? And it sounds like snake oil, doesn't it? But it's absolute truth. You can have peace in this life through Jesus if you choose to have it. If you choose his way over the way of drama. Let's be honest. Everything is drama today. Right? Everything is drama today. As long as you buy into that. But if you choose the way of peace with Jesus, you can live above the fray. You can live beyond the drama, and you can live a life of peace. Doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. Doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to face the tough times in life. What it does mean is that you have a God who can give you peace in the middle of of a storm. <laughs> this morning, very quickly, I want to share with you four areas that he wants to be your Prince of Peace in. First of all, he wants to be your Prince of Peace with God. Jesus Christ came down to earth. We celebrate that today. The birth of Jesus Christ. Happy birthday, Jesus. Right? He came to this earth and he was born to die, but he spent 33 years living, showing us how to live successfully as, as, as Christians. The reason he was born was so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because the only way that we would ever have peace with the Father is if there was a one in between that would build a bridge between us and him. You know, we talk about that a lot in our, when we do our outreaches. Now that COVID is over and we can get back to some semblance of life, uh, we're going to start our outreach ministry. We're gonna, we're, we've already started some of them and we're going to be doing... Uh, Easter egg hunts again, as long as our uh, solar unit is up before then. We're going to be doing our trunk or treat again. We're going to be doing all the different things that we did. 
And we call those bridge events because we're trying to build a bridge between the church and those people so that they will see us as normal people and not see us as freaks that, you know, the media wants to play us out to be. We get that idea from the fact that Jesus built a bridge between us and the Father. Because there was no way that you could return to God on your own. As a human being, you're sinful. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the Bible says because of that sin, we are condemned to death, Romans 6.23. The wages, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that the only way that debt could be paid and that you could still go free was if someone else paid the price for you. And there was only one person in all history, only one, that was perfect, spotless, and sinless and could provide that sacrifice. And that was Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus was born, and we celebrate that birth, and come April, we'll be celebrating or remembering his death. His birth and his death were both incredibly vital to our eternal life. Without either one of them, we would be hopelessly lost. Listen, this morning, if you've never heard that, if you don't understand that, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the very first part of your life he wants to bring peace to is peace between you and God the Father. He wants to be your Prince of Peace. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and all you need to do, you don't have to, you can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't be good enough, you can't go to church enough, you can't go to church on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, you can't go to sunrise services on Easter, you can't come in and clean the church, you cannot be enough on your own to earn eternal life. What you have to do is admit that you are not enough of your own and on your own, and that Jesus died for your sins and paid the price. And you have to humble yourself and accept that gift, just like on Christmas, right? Just like on Christmas. And there's boxes and envelopes and bags, and they're wrapped, and they look beautiful, and they have your name on them, correct? I had, I had one under the tree this, this year, and uh, it surprised me, blew me away. I've I've lost a lot of weight, and we had some kids living with us over the last year, and they didn't have anything, so I was able to give away some hoodies. Um, I didn't have a Rams hoodie anymore, Greg. I didn't have a Rams hoodie, Craig. Well, my wife and my boys gave me a brand-new Rams hoodie for Christmas. Man, I saw that box, and it had my name on it. It was, it was intended for me. It was bought for me. It was wrapped for me. But it didn't become mine until I took possession of it. I'll tell you what, I changed my shirt real quick, too. With that Rams hoodie on, it felt so good. Felt like it's in heaven. Anyway, I'll feel that way until about 4 o'clock. <clears throat> Jesus died for your sins, and he paid the price. And he's given you that amazing gift of eternal life. But it's not yours until you take it. It's not yours until you say, I can't do this on my own. Dear Jesus, would you please come into my heart and save me and give me your gift of eternal life. 
When you receive and take possession of the gift, he becomes your prince of peace. He becomes the prince of peace of your life. And he brings peace between you and God the Father. Now the next step is the tough one, right? He wants to be the Lord of your life. And that's where we struggle with the real peace aspect with Jesus Christ in our lives. Because let's be honest, we don't feel like we need him every moment of every day, right? Let's be honest. We think we can do a lot of these things on our own. We think we can walk and make it through the day on our own. We can make decisions on our own. We can can do whatever it is we need to do on our own. And we just call God in. We just call call in the big guy for the heavy lifting. Man, that's not making him the Lord of your life. That's your, that's your escape hatch. If that's how you treat him, that's just an escape hatch out of trouble. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be involved in every decision. He wants to be involved in every step of every day. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Come to me, all of you who are weary and hardened and burdened, And I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, for I am lowly and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, your life might be heavy. You might be weighed down and burdened down, so much so that you can't carry it. But when Jesus steps in, when you make him the Lord of your life, when you take his yoke upon you, he picks up your burden. And now that burden is much, much lighter. Listen, the problems are still there, but you have an ally. You have a friend. You have a warrior king that is your savior ready to fight for you. And the second area of peace that he wants to bring to your life, he wants to be the prince of peace in your mind. We're an amazingly stressed out generation. We're an amazing, ang- amazingly angry and agitated generation (laughs) and man let me tell you something we are an amazingly offended generation (laughs) my gosh can nobody take a joke anymore can nobody have a little can can nobody just let things go you have to be we have to be offended by everything everything and then you've got people like me who just kind of relish that (laughs) like to just kind of you know, grind in a little bit. Sorry, it's a birth defect. I'm a chase. <laughs> Serious. Let me tell you. All of this adds up to being a very confused, frustrated, and divided generation. Never before in my life have I seen such division in a country. Never have I seen such division in towns. I think the, listen, I think the worst thing that could ever have happened for the public forum is social media. Seriously. And just so we'll understand this, it is not, just because you have a Facebook account does not mean you have to comment on everything. Okay? You can actually scroll on. You can leave it alone. I don't care how stupid it sounds that the person put it on there. Your opinion doesn't necessarily matter. And if you haven't noticed yet by now, you're not going to be the final word on the matter. And in East Long Meadow, 
doesn't matter what you say, the trash cans aren't getting any bigger. Right? Trash cans aren't getting any bigger. Unfortunately, that mentality has not crept into the church. It has stormed the doors. And we now live in a generation of Christians where if we don't provide entertainment, we're going to struggle to have a crowd. If we don't have the bells and whistles and the pony rides and the hot dogs, man, it's going to be tough to get people out because people look to be entertained today. I'll tell you, church isn't about entertainment. And a life with Jesus walking with him, it's not an easy road. It's a tough, tough road sometimes. And it takes grit, it takes character, and it takes peace of mind. Because you don't always see the road ahead. And you have to have faith in your Prince of Peace that he does. And that he knows what's ahead of you. He knows the bend in the road. He knows the hills and the valleys. He's God of the hills and the valleys. God, remember that, remember that song, Mom? I think our family used to sing this when Dad would drag us up to Merrimack when he'd preach and we'd, God walks the dark hills. Yes, yes. And he does, man. He does that for you. He does that because he wants to be your peace of mind. He wants to bring peace to your mind. He wants to bring peace to your thoughts, peace to your emotional state. He never said, listen, maybe somebody here needs to hear this today. He never said you wouldn't struggle. He never said you wouldn't struggle emotionally. He never said, he never said you would not struggle mentally. He didn't say that. He did not say that just because you're a follower of his, all your health issues are gone, including your mental health. What he did say is, as you struggle with these things, I will be there with you. And I will provide a way of escape. I will provide a road to walk. I will provide a path out. And I listen, if you're looking for the miracle without the work, I'm not your guy. Because I joke about it a lot, but... I am rebuilt on the inside. I believe in modern medicine. I believe God has given us modern medicine to fix a lot of issues. And I'm going to go a step further. Maybe this will shock some of you. Maybe it will offend you. I'm sorry if it does. But I believe in modern medicine that will help us with our mental state. Because I believe with all my heart that we are a fallen creation. And that fallen creation doesn't just extend to your knees that wear out. Deb, right? It extends to chemical imbalances in your mind. Chemical imbalances in your body that affect the way you think. Sometimes, listen folks, sometimes God's healing is that doctor, is that counselor who you can sit down and talk with and work a situation out with. I may lose some of you with this one. Sometimes that... Sometimes God's healing is in a pill that can help you. Just being honest. He wants to be the prince of peace in your mind. 
Jesus wants to give you peace for your worries. In fact, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me just back up for a second. For those of you who may have just gotten offended, maybe you're on Facebook or YouTube and you got offended by me saying you might need to take a pill for your, your healing. Man, some of you wouldn't walk out of the house until you got a COVID vaccine. So what's the difference between taking a shot to stop from a physical malady or taking a pill to help with a mental malady? It's medicine. It's modern medicine that God has provided through the, men, through the understanding of humanity to bring about situations that can help us and can sometimes cure our sicknesses and disease. Jesus pleads with you to bring your burdens, your cares, and especially your struggles to him because he truly cares about you. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. The third area he wants to be the prince of peace for you in is your relationships. He wants to be the prince of peaceful relationships. You want to read a good passage uh, for the sake of time. We're not going to read it, but Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. First part says, by the way, let love be without hypocrisy. Whew. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't come to church telling me you love everybody and walk out of here and badmouth everybody. Just don't do it. Because you do not have love in your heart. That's hypocrisy. Michael W. Smith sang a song back in the 90s, and I just saw it on a video. Friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. You ever wonder why some of the best friends you'll ever have in your life and the connections that you make, and maybe people move away, and you don't see them for years and sometimes decades, but they come back, and there's people that you've met in church, and it seems like family. You ever wonder why? Because the Lord is the Lord of that friendship. God is the God of that friendship. And that friendship wasn't built on commonalities of, of financial status or, or the town you live in. Those friendships were built on a shared and, and common faith in Jesus Christ. And you know and understand the struggle. One of the things, and I'm sorry, Jeremy, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to share things out. Not you, Jeremy Creel, Jeremy Levin. <laughs> <laughs> share things out of turn here. But when Jeremy was talking to me before the news was made public, uh, he said, you know, you can share some of this because maybe somebody can give us some advice. Maybe somebody can share something with us about how to deal with that. Man, I thought, Jeremy, I, I love you, man. Love you like, I love you like an uncle. <laughs> that was amazing. I thought that was the most... I could tell my dad had part of your life. I'll just leave it there. That's a man of God that says something like that, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. F.B. Meyer says, as we pour out our bitterness, God pours in his peace. Man, one of the things you need to do, folks, some of you, what you need to do is go to God in prayer about the people that you're angry with, the people you're bitter about, because you hold it in so much and it becomes toxic inside of you. And it doesn't just affect your life, it affects your service and your ministry. 
He says, I want you to bring your burdens to me because I want to be the prince of peace in your relationships. <clears throat> Adam Capo says, nothing brings two hearts closer than two hearts that are after the heart of God. If relationships truly do build churches like we say here all the time, then we as true believers and followers of Jesus better work on making peace in our relationships and making him the prince of peace in our relationships. We need to stop the judgment. We need to stop the competitions. We need to stop the undermining and the backbiting and start to learn to get along. And that's just not in our church. Can I tell you something, folks? That's with other churches. With other churches. I don't know what it is about this area. I have tried. For 20 years I've been the pastor of this church, and I have tried my best. I've known Brian for Brian and Deb for 35 years, something like that. We went to church together <clears throat> over in Chicopee, served together. And I've, they know my heart. I've tried to work together with other churches. And people are just terrified that I'm trying to steal their members. No, I'm not. You know what I want to do? I want to build a coalition. I want to build an army. I want to build a powerful community of believers who aren't, who aren't standing in a circle looking at each other, pointing fingers and being defensive. I want to have a circle of believers who have their backs toward each other and are looking out at the world with love and saying, you need Jesus and we're here to show you. And if your church can do it in that area, listen, we're local church. You know what local church means? Local. I'm not looking for people from Vermont to come. No offense to Vermont. But I'm not looking for people <laughs> from Vermont to drive an hour and a half to get to my church. I support a church up there that can meet their needs. Ask yourself this. How many of your friends are going to drive 50 miles to go to? You might be willing to do that. But your friends might not. Listen, we need to stop this foolishness and be, let him become the prince of peace in the relationships we have in our homes, the relationships we have in our churches, and the relationships we have with other churches. And just so you'll know, I really believe that. I truly believe that. Ask anybody who knows me. I'll work with any church, and it doesn't matter what church gets the person, okay? Listen, if, if LifePoint Church in Chicopee is closer and better equipped to serve somebody's need, we'll do it. Right. New Day, we'll do it. Listen, it, and, and let me tell you, Bethlehem, First Baptist, the two closest to us, corner stuff. Listen, and it, uh, I'll say this honestly, it doesn't even have to be reciprocated to us. I'm still going to do the right thing. I'm still going to try to build those relationships and help build people. Why? Because people, I say this all the time, man. People are dying and going to hell. I'm not going to get a badge of honor in heaven for having a huge church. It's just not going to be there. You know what God promises me as a pastor? That I'm faithful and I love him. And if I do those things and serve him faithfully and lovingly, he's going to reward me for it. Doesn't say anything about reaching certain levels of accomplishment. 
says just love him and serve him faithfully. Same thing for you. He wants to be the prince of peace in your relationship. And lastly, he wants to be the prince of peace in your circumstances. Thomas Watson said, if God be God, if God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble in peace, but God can create peace in trouble. He wants to be the peace of your personal happiness. And he wants to be the peace of your contentment. Sometimes those two things go hand in hand and sometimes they don't. But he wants to be the peace of both parts of your life. Doesn't say he's going to make you rich. We, we tend to misunderstand and misappropriate if we delight ourselves in the Lord. He'll give us the desires of our heart. Because we don't connect scripture with scripture and realize that he says, if you need these things, I will bless you. I will give you what you need. What he does say is that he will give you peace so that you can be content. Just like Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I'm content to be. Listen, that doesn't mean I'm going to be happy with everything. Okay? Doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about everything. But I will be content. How do you become content in the, in the struggles and the difficulties? You accept the fact that God has a plan. You accept the fact that he loves you, he has the best in mind for you, and he has a plan for you. And no matter what you think or feel, if you will follow him, he will lead you to where you need to go. He'll be the peace in your storm. He'll be the peace in your crisis. He'll be the peace in your ignorance. He'll be the peace in your pain, and he'll be the peace in your joy, man. Truly will. Listen, I don't know why. I think, I got her, I, I think we got her before a lot of stuff. We, we have a new puppy. If you want to see my picture, our pictures from Christmas, uh, we've got a picture with Lala on there, my new dog. Lala is six months old. She's a horse. She is already bigger than Brooklyn, who is our other dog. Both Dodger fans. <laughs> Brooklyn Dodgers, Lala, LA, LA, LA Dodgers. They pick their names. I don't know what to do. Jackie. Jackie for Jackie Robinson, yes. Lala is. I don't know. I saw her picture. She came from a kill shelter. She's part Pyrenees, part Australian Shepherd. She has blue eyes. If you've seen her picture, you've seen her blue eyes. And she's part blue tick hound. And the blue tick hound has most of it. She looks like a, a hound dog. I fell in love with this dog through a picture. She was just a little puppy. Well, she's not a little puppy anymore. She's a monster. And I don't know what it was about her. A man... All heck broke loose in my life just a couple months ago. Topped off by my father dying. I've never experienced six weeks like I did. 
And you can say whatever you want. You can laugh at it. You can chuckle at it. God gave me Lala as a source of peace. She'd hug her. She'd sit next to me. She'd lean in like a dog who knows when you're troubled. She'd howl, which I love. And I still don't get it all. But I believe with all my heart that God knew what I needed. And I needed another Gibson. Because when I went through the worst struggle of my life, I had Gibson, my little beagle who was my prayer partner. And I've got Lala. Now, I'm not excited about trouble in my life. But I know I have my dog who can comfort me. He gave me the peace of a wife who truly gets it and gets me. And she's my peace in so many storms. Some of you that struggle in your marriage and your homes, you know why you struggle? Because you haven't accepted the fact that God gave you that person to be peace in your life. And you fight and you keep doing this constantly and you're at war with each other. And he says, I want you to be at peace. That's why I gave you that person. I didn't give you your, listen, now hear me here. I didn't give you your children to bring peace to your marriage. I gave you, in fact, children can be a source of conflict, right? I gave you your mate to be peace in your marriage. Start acting like it. He wants to be the Prince of Peace in your circumstances. Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the names of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, our Christmas gift from the Creator of all things. I hope and pray that you not only understand this, but you accept it and you take it into your life and you seek peace. He says, knock and it'll be answered. Seek and you'll find. Seek peace and find it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of being able to gather together as believers, as followers of yours. And Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come to church on Christmas Day, the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Lord, we thank you for the amazing gift of one who will get us, who does get us, who understands us, and wants to bring us peace. Lord, we live in a very crazy time where peace is not even desired anymore, and people are very open about that. Lord, that doesn't negate the fact that you came to be our Prince of Peace. So would you show us how to shut everything out and just connect with you? And in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our difficulty, seek you for peace. God, prove yourself to us. We claim those promises. We ask for your power. Lord, would you bless us? Many of your people are going to be with family for the rest of the day. Many of you are going to be uh, just kind of hanging out at home. 
Lord, bless this day with peace. Bless this day with love and what it truly means to celebrate you. May we go forward as worshipers for your name. In your name we pray. Amen.